Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com. Back with our Q&A podcasts. And man, Chris, we normally do these on Monday mornings or in the mornings in general. Um, I'm so glad we didn't do it on Monday morning because we would have been previewing the Baylor basketball game and talking about the potential of Bob Huggins' team. Get a win on the road against number two or maybe get this season back up right again. It would have been fresh for about an hour, maybe, not even. Maybe, maybe. Out that COVID tests inside the Coliseum uh, sideswipe the Mountaineers, keep them from traveling to Baylor, um, and and now we just have a period of uncertainty because there's a game allegedly on Saturday. Um, so hey, good for your kids to occupy you in the morning and make sure we don't have any um like on our face with having a podcast out that's very dated very fast. Yeah, uh, virtual school not going great around here. Uh, teacher kind of sucks, you know. <laughs> Not doing a great job. Uh, trans for those who don't know, transitioning my kids back from Christmas break. I think uh, my kids' school realized that hey, there's going to be a big rush of probably positive tests after Christmas. So they did virtual for a couple weeks after Christmas to before they open things back up to in person. And who it's been kept me keeping me busy threw us off our usual schedule, like you said, of of recording this on. You know, we were meeting up every Monday morning, uh, eight thirty. And recording these podcasts, and God, I guess I guess if we might have done it before we even went on with Bob Huggins at nine thirty, maybe maybe afterwards. But either mm-hmm. way, it would have been wildly outdated because it was that nine thirty call, Zoom call with Bob Huggins, where he said, "Yeah, everybody's back, everybody's here, everybody's fine." Um, but it, you know, acknowledged they were still waiting on test results, but said that as of yesterday, everybody was back and everybody was fine. And so we kind of presumed that the the game would be on for Tuesday night. And obviously now it's not. And and the thing that concerns me is the everyone's back. Everyone was here. Everyone was fine comment. Because if everyone was there and everyone was fine and together, then that might mean, uh, you know, transmission of, of the virus or at the very least contact tracing and this might not be the last postponement from from this one instance. I hate doing this, but like I think we probably need to talk for a second about these things here because they did have the flu. Um, I'm assuming that they're positive. It was the flu. You have flu tests um, similar as you have COVID tests. It's not the same thing, but you can test for is it influenza A? Is it influenza B? Is it COVID? So I'm going to assume I'm not going to go the conspiracy route here and say that they misdiagnosed some kids who had the flu under the weather and it was actually COVID and they played a basketball game against a team from Texas with guys who were positive. I don't think that happened. So I'd, I'd like to avoid that topic. Um, I do think it's curious that they just played two road games and we've heard this before when teams travel and they have those flights and then the hotel for a while. Um, you're just different environment like they they, they kind of have a bubble at the coliseum you're not in school right now so you're not on campus among other students and teachers or citizens of the town you're in your little bubble in the coliseum all your food is there in the practice facility you're not really leaving there you're doing all that stuff it's very isolated and probably very sterile and the one time they step out of it for the first time in a long time they come back i'm assuming they tested three times before the texas game and maybe nothing happened but after the texas game you get some tests and i wonder if it's attached to travel because i can't think of what would have happened in between getting back from Oklahoma State very, very early on the morning of January 5th and 
again today at the testing on the morning of January 11th. I'm not blaming the road trip. I'm just saying that it's hard to avoid that because what happened with football? Um, they were home for a long, long time, went to Iowa, were on a plane, were in a hotel room together, came back, and then had problems that obviously derailed the final game of the regular season. Hard for me to avoid that coincidence. Yeah, um, I like you said, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole of things and with, with COVID and the travel and all that, but I, they were there for three days in a row, four days in a row, and Oklahoma is currently, I believe, either number three or number four in the country as far as states go for cases per one, 100,000 people. Um, it, it is it is higher than West Virginia is currently higher than many of the other places that West Virginia has been double what South Dakota is currently. Uh, so it's um, it, 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 they got put in a spot and I'm sure they tried, you know, you, you try, you get them there even, even before the pandemic, when you travel, you, you don't travel and you do these road trips where you do the two for one, it's not like these guys are going out on the town and hanging out with each other, like at a bunch of randos. Like they're doing things as a team. Sure, they might go out to dinner as a team. Uh, most likely, they're just getting stuff at the hotel as a team. Um, so it's not like they're out and about even before this pandemic. And I'm sure they try to do it as best they could this time. But um, it's hard not to draw the parallels there between that trip and then suddenly everyone's sick. Here's what I've heard: they were down to five or fewer available scholarship players, which means they were they were going to have to like play Spencer Mackey and Jay Moore. I'm, I'm, maybe they're maybe they're affected. I don't know, but there's a threshold for scholarship players. You have to have at least six. That was the point of contention in the off season. Um, some of the coaches, certainly not enough, wanted eight or more because let's be honest, you're you're not you're not playing games and winning with like six people. You're just not. And then six and two walk-ons. What are we doing? Like just postpone the game at that point. Um, so they wanted to have eight. It came down to six. West Virginia was under the six, which means they only had five healthy scholarship players. Now healthy, what does that mean? Available is probably better. Um, I don't know what number it is, but it was only players who tested positive, and I'm told it wasn't a large number, and the contact tracing did the damage that ultimately left them underneath the threshold, which probably isn't a surprise because, again, these guys are roommates. They live in the same apartment complex together. They eat lunch together, whatever they have to do for things like that. Um, it's probably not a surprise. So I think a lot of people are going to be like, oh, no, a lot of positive tests. Not necessarily uh, now, granted, could some of the people who were contact traced, could they be positive in a subsequent test? That's happened before. But really hard to see going on the road playing against the number two team in the country with a starting five and nothing else. So point of no return was obviously reached this morning. Here's where what's not clear. How do you play Saturday? I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm trying to remember what all the protocols are in place for players i mean i know it's not clear it's not it, clear. It, i talk to people like i don't know i have to check i'm like there isn't a sheet like you don't yeah. have to print it out in a binder it didn't, well like, and we've seen how they they all change it depending on who it is if you're nick saban yeah. you can get cleared by saturday if you're ohio state hell they might just put you right back into the big 12 championship game not worry about it but <laughs> the you know are, are they going to be able to say that for the guys that contact trace not not the ones that tested positive i'm i'm assuming here that if they tested positive and it's not a false positive you know, that they're they're out for mm -hmm. 10 to 12, 14 days, whatever it is now. But the other guys that contact trace, you know, we've heard of instances in the NFL with certain coaches, certain situations of, hey, if you come back and you get negative test, negative test, negative test, however many in a row, three, four, five in a row, then you can play. And 
maybe you can do that. And then maybe West Virginia has nine players or whatever, you know, above the six that you mentioned. Um, and, and you're okay. And, and you try to play. I, I'm not sure. I, again, the, the fact that they, the fact that they didn't mention anything about the upcoming games and made no mention of where to reschedule this Baylor game, mm. because if it was just a one-off thing, that's pretty easy to kind of slot in somewhere later. But if you're if you're a scheduler, if you're the Big 12 Conference, and you're unsure if West Virginia is going to play this weekend or even next Monday or Tuesday, I can't remember which day they play, off the top of my head. But you can't go scheduling out in advance because then you're going to have to just turn around and schedule three more games or two more games, three more games, whatever it is. So that tells me that there is at least some uncertainty about Saturday's game. I wonder how important the florida game is like does that have to be played because you could put a game there that's on january 30th um if you can't play baylor you can't play tcu one or the other or both do you really got to play the big 12 sec challenge no and i I believe actually they canceled some of the big east big 12 i actually think baylor even canceled a big east big 12 game if i remember correctly but these these little invitational things i don't really think matter so there's a window there because they play Monday the 25th against Texas Tech, and then February 2nd, um, which is a Tuesday, I believe, against Iowa State. So you have a big gap in between there. Otherwise, maybe you play, you're not going to do this because you play a Saturday against Oklahoma, the February 13th, and then Monday home against Baylor on February 15th. You're not going to do 15-16 or 15-17 against Baylor. That would be too much. 13-15-16, 13-15-17, no way, right? Uh, and then if TCU goes away too, um, that's the second to last game of the season. And again, same thing. You play the 20th and the 22nd against TCU. You're not going to play 20, 22, 23, or 20, 22, 24. Um, you might be able to make one work if you rescheduled just Baylor. But I would really wonder about the future of that Florida game. Yeah, I, I, the first thing that popped to my mind was, again, like you said, if it's just one game, just this Baylor game. I'm looking at a, a a really crummy stretch to end the season for West Virginia of Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, all just hanging out down in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because that Saturday the 20th is at Texas, the Monday the 22nd is at TCU, and then they, you know, Baylor's right down the road from TCU. Man, it, <laughs> I, I again that that's oh yeah that makes sense. You know, just stay down there. You don't have to fly back and forth. Boom, 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 boom. But that's how this problem came to pass. We're assuming, or I'm assuming, you know, with them just, hey, yeah, we'll just stay down there and, and stay at hotels and live out of a suitcase and live in hotel rooms with each other and, and make it work. So I don't know if you want to do that again after that's what caused, likely caused the problem this time. Yep. Um, on the 30th, West Virginia, Florida, and then Baylor, Auburn. You could play theoretically West Virginia, Baylor. What does Auburn and Florida do? One, well, one, not your problem. But they also play each other later in the season. I'm not sure that those schools would want to do that twice because they're in opposite divisions, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. So they're playing a crossover game, which isn't, I think, I know football scheduling is different, but I believe basketball, you don't play round robin for a 14 team league. So that's probably an, a semi annual thing. Uh, do they want to play two against them and two against a specific number of teams from their own division? be a weird thing but again they may not have any choice you're going to make concessions like this too so that'll be strange um concerning here is that 
Uh, well, ironic, I guess, is that just a couple of days ago, they got past West Virginia did the 13-game threshold, which you had to play 13 games to be postseason eligible this year, I believe. Um, I know it was 13, but so they get past that, and I'm not sure it was a big surprise, but a lot of people didn't think that this was going to happen. I, I think if you look around at the NBA right now and, and even college basketball, there's there's some hand-wringing that this won't conclude. We've been here before with football, so if past is prologue, perhaps we'd just be a little bit more patient and try to see our way through this thing and get to the finish line at the end. But the concern is certainly there again. But just a couple of days ago, Huggins was saying, these guys have done so well. We told them, no no going downtown, no going out to eat. You know, Just hang out with your, your teammates. Don't hang out with friends. You can't bring someone in and then bring something in that corrupts this whole thing. I'm not saying that happened, but like that's how quickly this changes and how, how long it has been since West Virginia had a problem. We forget, but they, they paused the resumption of their team activities in July, two full weeks, because they kept getting positive tests as players were coming back from their homes. Um, and they have players from from some bad spots. Emmett Matthews just talked about this. He was from, he was coming from Washington and Tacoma had Seattle area. They had some really really bad numbers. It was one of the worst at that time. Um, so I think naturally you were going to get some positive tests. I think a lot of people thought, all right, well they got hit hard. They'll be good the rest of the way. Concerning there is that maybe that's not true. I'm not saying that people have gotten it twice, but it's possible that. It's possible that like that whole 120 to 150 day window that apparently existed um, is gone. It doesn't apply. And that's why there's so many contact tracing individuals here who have been claimed by this latest round. Um, it was a long time ago and some expectations for prohibit pro- provisions or protections or immunity or whatever you want to call it. They don't really exist. And that's kind of like disappointing because, man, we have to do this all over again. Are you kidding? We're so good. We stayed down for so long and all of a sudden one thing happens and here we go again. It's July all over. That's that's so strange. So suddenly, yeah. Uh, it, I it it's tough. It's always going to be tough. I think if it had happened earlier in the season, like in the November, the non-conference stuff, you can schedule stuff. You got big gaps around Christmas and New Year's, and, and everything like that. And how how important is you know playing, say Northeastern or Abilene Christian, like TCU does, or Texas Tech does, and a couple of those schools down there. It's not, but once you get into Big Twelve play, everybody's kind of on the same kind of rhythm here. You you play Monday or Tuesday, and then you play Saturday. Monday or Tuesday, Saturday. Monday or Tuesday, Saturday, and that's that's that. It's hard to find places to reschedule these games in when the the, the next you know couple months are booked two, twice a week for the next couple months, and then you get to to the Big Twelve tournament, and then your NCAA tournament. There's no there's no leeway there. So the the timing of this is about as bad as it can get as far as, you know, trying to figure out where to put these games and what to do the rest of the way. Not like that, but the timing sucks because what a what a month, what a year already for them. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot happening. Wow. I was writing a story this morning just about all the, all the I use the word drama, that was going on, and I'm like three paragraphs in, and you quickly text me as to other people that this game may not happen. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, this team cannot catch a break right now, and it, it didn't need this type of break here, too. But, hey, maybe that's part of the Q&A we're about to roll into here. We're here not to talk about positive tests and contact tracing and schedule maneuverings here. We're actually opening up our mailbag here, questions and answers, football, basketball, whatever strikes um, our readers, subscribers fancy here. Um, you have the questions, Chris. We have the answers, but uh, let's dig into this. What do we have? What are we yeah, let, let's get started because, hey, the other good news is, a lot of these questions came before this news came out this morning. So I'll try to skip past any that might've been as outdated as our uh, previously expected mm-hmm. podcast. But um, let's, let's stick with basketball for the time being. 
Uh, we'll try not to again. I don't. Let's not delve on the Oscar stuff too much longer. We're we're moving past it. He's gone. He's going to Kentucky. But a, a, a good question here from Willie G. Twenty thirteen. Three game sample size. But thoughts on the Ewing theory as it relates to Oscar. The Ewing theory being that um, the New York Knicks and and Georgetown would have would play better when Patrick Ewing was injured or gone for extended periods of time. It, he, he tossed out some quick math of 10 games with Oscar, shot 42% from the floor, 30% from three, three games without, 40% from the floor, 44% from three. Thoughts? I had no idea what the Ewing theory was. Really? And that probably makes me a bit of an outcast here because I know who <laughs> Bill Simmons is. Yeah. Uh, I just wasn't aware this was a thing. I, maybe I'd heard it once or twice before, but... Um, as a Knicks fan, that, that hurts. Um, it's also kind of irrefutable, so I get it. The numbers make sense. That's a guy who shot north of 50% and took a handful of shots per game right at the basket, and you're replacing that with guys who are jump shooters. Jalen Bridges, Kedrian Johnson, and you're pouring more into guys who are perimeter players. Uh, you're also giving Derek Culver more, and Derek Culver's not a 50% uh, shooter from the floor, so that makes sense. The three-point shooting is extraordinary. Now, granted, it's going to go up for the same reasons. You're you're taking out a guy who shoots no more than two or three feet from the basket and replacing them with multiple people, or you're giving his minutes to multiple people who take a lot of their shots from the perimeter in three-point range. 43% is pretty good. Um, I'm surprised that it's that high. Um, I don't know that it, it's necessarily they're better because that guy is gone. I think that... I, I think that the offense has just opened up that way. Um, I would say it's intriguing because, again, to go from 30% to 44 is quite a leap. And, again, it's not because they went like two for four a couple of times. They're chucking it, they're making a lot of shots, but they're taking a lot of shots too. So the accuracy is encouraging. And I think it's because they just have more of those perimeter players on the floor. And they're getting better spacing and, and I think, more open shots and more step-in shots. It looks pretty good for at least half of the past three games. I think – it's it's tough for me to say this is a Ewing theory. I mean, obviously it's a contender. It has the, the hallmarks there of a, of a of a marquee player that uh, you know leaves, and then the team has a chance to be better. That that that's possible. But I think it's more this team is different than it is better, mm-hmm. and it has a chance to be you know the same like as as far as its ceiling goes, or maybe even a little higher. But it's just different. Like you mentioned, the, the, the two-point percentage is down because they are lacking another big man inside, and Derek Culver is not extremely efficient when he gets the ball in the post. Um, three-point shooting is up because they got more wings on the floor. They're more spaced out. They're more spread out. They're running four and five wide, and they're getting open shots. So I, I think the team is different. I'm not sure it's better. I think it has a chance to be better. I think it has a chance to be a lot worse. But right now, it's about the same, and it's just different, at least for me. Agreed. Um, well, we talked about a little bit here. I like this question. I, I went into, started to go into a little too much detail because, again, for those, uh, if you don't hear your question answered, or even if you do, um, we're going to do it in written form as well. So you, you'll see it on the site later today. Um, but a question or more of a comment from 8389 grade says that how about we need to go to a zone defense to switch when things run amok says Huggins at 131 point drop one two two etc etc 
what defense seems best suited to filling that role? Something we can switch in and out of readily and disrupt the offense for a four or eight minute run, considering our personnel and its abilities and deficiencies. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, I don't like... Um, well, I guess here's a couple things. I like the idea that they can extend and trap. And, and again, not press Virginia Press, but press. And I thought they would do that against Texas... But they didn't need to. They were, they they could have should have won that game. So while they played pretty much one defense, and I think they kind of let Texas get a feel for the strike zone, like they just kept throwing the pitches in the same spot, right? And you're you're eventually gonna get the timing down and beat it. And they were continually getting inside the guards and getting into the paint. So I was surprised they didn't go to anything in that game. I don't know why, because I think we talked about this. There's a way to use the 40 minutes and to change things around, and and take advantage of what you can take advantage of. I don't know they're going to be a great. 2-3 team or a 3-2 team because that probably insists on having Osaboyan and Culver in and they're just not good offensively when those two are in the game together so that's that's a reservation I would have now can you play with Matthews and Culver in the post or Osaboyan and Culver in the post did I say Culver and Shibway by the way I don't think so I thought okay. I heard Culver and, and Gabe all right so you know you called him Osaboyan for for some odd reason, I have no idea. Well, it's much easier to say than Gabe. <laughs> yes. So Gabe and Derek in a, in a two in a zone isn't good because of offense. Now, can you play Gabe and Matthews or Culver and Matthews, perhaps? But I don't know that Matthews has done a lot of post zone defending, which makes you think I kind of like a one three one then, because for different variations, Culver's fast. He can go baseline to baseline. I think on that. Um, I think Matthews could probably do that too if you want to change it up a little bit and make him the low man in the zone. When we first saw one three one, there was a point guard at the bottom of it. Whether it was JD Collins or even early on in Bob Huggins, um, Joe Mazzullo played that bottom. You can maybe do that with the Keydrian Johnson. He's fast enough to do it. So where do you put Culver? Probably in the middle of the one three one. But don't forget, he was supposed to be good enough to play the top of that press. So I'm not saying he's the top of that press, but you can put him in different spots. He's an agile defender. So now, I haven't liked the two three or the matchup or even the three two, which is kind of a matchup. Uh, the two three is kind of the, the point drop that he's talking about. That can work a little bit. Um, but I wouldn't throw out the one three one. I think there's a way you can do it with the personnel that doesn't 
maybe handcuff you with an offensive combination that isn't quite as effective. Because if you're trying to get stops, that means you're probably going to get points too, and you want to have an optimal offensive lineup out there. So I'm trying to imagine in my brain here of how these these defenses would fall back and rotate because I was having a hard time thinking of the half court style of the zone defense. Mm-hmm. I kind of like your pitch there for the one three one, but I love the idea of a one two one one press full kind of yeah. three quarters full court where you have the point up there kind of denying the ball or at least trying to force them to get it into a corner. And so if you're you're listening to this, imagine a like a cross. Um, one, two, one, one, and then they get it to a corner, and then the two guys there on the sides of the cross they come up, whichever side, and trap in that corner, and then go from there. And if they break it, it has to drop back in a zone. It, it's very difficult to start in a zone style press and drop back into a man. So it's got to drop back into a zone. And I wasn't sure which way to go. I I just kind of defaulted to that point drop just because that's what they've been practicing. Yeah. Although I'm not sure they're entirely good at it. Um, but I do like the one three one if they can get it because the, the 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 zone defense their their guards I don't want to say they don't have the mentality because um, they are like you know Miles McBride's you know not afraid of anything and a lot of these guys are willing to go up there we've seen Taz Sherman crash the boards on occasion but they 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 stop and stare a lot on a lot of shots and if you're going to be running a zone when you only have Derek Culver because agreed you can't have Derek and Gabe on the court at the same time right now. You need guards that are going to go get in. Emmett Matthews will do it, but who else is going to do it? And I'm not sure who else is going to be doing that at the rate that West Virginia would need them to in a zone. Yeah. The other thing too, the one, three, almost solve it's, it's hard to drive against a one, three, one because, and, and the same reason that it's hard to make perimeter shots, the angles are just so different. Like you're not used to a defender being there or coming at you from that certain spot. So you might think you have a step on a guy, but he's actually got an angle on you that you weren't prepared for because you're not accustomed to practicing against that. And same thing on the perimeter. You think you have a good shot, but there's a guy who's just coming from a different sight line and it affects you a little bit. Uh, I don't know that we'll see it. If we haven't seen it yet, I think maybe just briefly we saw it. In fact, I can't even remember with the game, but I think he mentioned that they tried one three one. I was trying to think of it, but I would not be surprised if that doesn't get some time on the court if things get bad at some point. But... They're going to play mostly man, right? Yeah. I, I think as, as terrible as they are on with on ball defense, mm-hmm. I think I, I don't, I think it's going to be a lot more man going forward. I mean, that was, it, that was some terrible on ball defense. We'll say that it, some people asked about that and about IQ on some of those things uh, with, with Ramey always going to his right Coleman, always going to his left. And, and that's what they always did. Um, but it's tough. Uh, th- that that kind of stuff that was frustrating me. The Ramey thing. Now, this is this is from Mountaineer Musket Man. Uh, he he has asked about that basketball IQ. I guess we'll make this part of the Q and A here. But that Ramey only goes to his right. Coleman only goes to his left. And time and again, they were doing the same thing over and over again. And and was asking if this is a, a, an IQ thing, coaching thing. Where does this fall on? Um, you know, tying it obviously to the Emmett play at the end of the game. Then we play at the end of the game. That that sucks for him because he made tremendous play. I mean, he made two tremendous plays on that one, mm-hmm. and that sucks for him. I mean, it, it was it was kind of a brain fart, but yeah, it's going to happen. And I would much rather have someone that's going to go after and get that ball because if he doesn't go get that ball, Texas just gets it anyway. So, um, it, it's I don't think it's a coaching thing. I these guys this is a, a future Hall of Fame coach with. 
a bunch of amazing assistant coaches that obviously scout and know which way someone is going to dribble, but it's on the players to actually go out there and do it. Um, did you notice anything about like some of the, the IQ type of things? Well, I have two things. For one, yeah. I've seen scouting reports, not that one, but I've seen those scouting reports before, and it always has the player's dominant hand. Yeah. Right hand, left hand, goes right X percent of the time, makes his shots from this spot. So the players know that as long as they pay attention. And if not, they have guys in the bench who point it out. Like they have stat guys and data guys who say hugs. He's, you know, he's going to the right eight out of nine times, whatever. And then bang, hey, he's going to the right eight out of the nine times. Make sure you don't let him. Just when the bullets are flying, it's hard to do that. And you saw that at the end of the game. Um, one thing that's that players did mention, and you could probably explain this, Texas ran what they call ghost screens, which meant that if a player is dominant going to his right, well, you're going to ghost screen and you're not going to screen. You're going to ghost and you're going to dive. So you're not really setting a screen, but you know that player is going that way. So they're encouraging you to think something, except that the screener is doing something different. And that apparently gave the players maybe trouble, but it gave them something to think about. And if you're thinking about stuff in the court, never mind thinking about two things, you're in a bad spot. You really need to be instinctive and reactive. And I know Sherman mentioned it. I believe McBride mentioned it, but ghost screens, which they thought would give their screen defense some trouble. And it certainly did. But the principle, had you heard that before? Do you know what that means? Yeah, we, I, I use the term slip screen. It's where you come up as you're coming up to the ball and you acting like you're going to screen. And right before you get to the guy to screen him, you slip, you, you slip to an open spot, whether it's you're slipping to, the lane for as a big man or slipping out for a three or you're faking a cross scene across the lane. And instead of screening the guy, you sprint out to say the wing, um, say like, you know, you got a shooter on one post, big man on the other shooter goes across the set of screen for the big man. And instead of setting that screen, he slips past it, dupes the defense and gets out to the wing for an open three. So yeah, it, it, it there's different terms for it. I used to call it a slip screen. Um, I hadn't I hadn't heard the term ghost ghost screen until until just this week. There you go. Now you learned. Yeah, I'm learning something every day, Mike. Yeah. My virtual school is going well too. Thank you. <laughs> uh, moving on down, um, I you uh, hey I'll, I'll allow you to hop in on this as well, Mike. But I'll just address it real quick. From one lost year, asking when we might get some more answers on returning seniors. I'm expecting this week. I touched on it on the board. I, I think uh, there was some news that was maybe going to come out last week and then kind of, you know, Hey, if you've ever seen any of the announcements or posts or anything, and you've talked about this on the Instagram, how they send the photos and the graphics and all that stuff to the players and the players share it, you know, I think they had to get back to school to get some of those official graphics ready and get them stuff. So I think I'm expecting news. Um, I'm hearing good, but expecting news on a, a couple more seniors sometime this week, obviously Neil Brown's already alluded to the fact that, he was expecting some more good news as well. Yep. Um, defense is all I've heard is that they feel pretty good about being more experienced on defense and especially in spots where they were going to be really young or really old. And it looks like they'll be really old in a key area. I think that's just kind of what I heard the players. I don't know. I, I really don't feel like taking their thunder away if they're going to all this distance to have fancy Twitter and Instagram graphics. Hey, more power to you. We can wait for that. But it does seem like good news. I think a lot of them are due back this week. So it, I, I doubt it'd be very long. You may see stuff as soon as this afternoon. Who knows? Um, since we're kind of switching over to football a little bit here, I thought this was a, a real interesting question from Macon Bacon. What is one thing that Neil does better than Dana? And what is one thing that Dana did better than Neil? 
right. I have a, <laughs> I have a provocative answer here because it's it's hard for me to look at them both and say there's an obvious answer here. I thought Dana was a good play caller. Um, and I thought when he got hot and he had the good quarterbacks who could do stuff, then they were good. Uh, Neil, they've been fine. I think he's been limited. He, he didn't have Geno Smith and Tavon and Stedman when he first came in and didn't get the momentum going there. So it's, it's a hard comparison to make. Um, I think that hiring is something that could be a strength for both, but also maybe impossible to compare right now, too. And it's hard to say that Dana did a great job hiring because he had so many assistant coaches, too. But sometimes your assistant coaches are wanted by other places like Robert Gillespie, like Bill Bedenboe, like Jake Spavadol. Is that really the coach's fault? I don't know. Um, so I don't know. I could look at stuff like that, and I, maybe you can give me some ideas and we can talk about it. But I'll say this, and this is this is where it's provocative, and it's, it's not maybe the answer today. Um, Dana knew when to get out of the way, and his team did flourish when he said enough. I can't call plays anymore. I got to be a CEO. I got to make sure everything is right on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And on Saturday, I'm going to oversee this. I'm going to oversee the game. I'm going to let my offense coordinator call the plays. I'm going to put my defense coordinator in charge and let him do it. And when he stepped back into that CEO role, listen, they had spectacular losses <laughs> as well as spectacular moments where things went bad. But they also were better, I thought, when he got out of the way and didn't try to touch everything and manage everything and make sure that everything had his fingerprints on it and said, I hired these guys. We're paying him six figures for a reason. Let them work. And that's why hiring is important, I think. I don't know that Brown's there yet. We'll see. And also, it's at such an infant stage of his career. I'm not sure he wants to let other people drive the car right now, too. I think you can understand why he wants to make sure that he's steering everything in the direction at the speed that he wants, because this is not a quick thing, as we've seen for two years. But you can't afford to run out of gas by going too fast and doing so much so early. So he's patient with it, and I don't think he's going to cede his play calling yet. But I wonder if that is something that he's even considering, though. Dana wanted to do that for a while before he actually did it. I don't know where Neil is on that. Um, I don't think he's close to it. We might be one or two more, more years away. That said, whatever they did with Parker calling plays this year is a move, I would think, toward him kind of just loosening the reins a little bit. I'm with you. I, 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 that whole play calling thing, I think it's a very similar. That's not, I don't know but similar, but it, a situation that they both faced, a decision they both had to make. And I feel like there was some hesitation early in Dana's career, unless he absolutely a hundred percent trusted whoever it was that he was going to hand the play calling over to. And then once he did it, it all seemed to gel a little better. And like you said, Dana was several years, you know, it was, it was a three, four, five years into his time here at West Virginia before he finally even started moving that direction. Mm -hmm. um, and Neil Brown's only in year two. So it, we might we might see it next year, maybe the year after that. Who knows a full thing? Because I'm with you that the letting Parker handle whatever it was he handled it about. We'll have to ask the ESPN commentators for the scoop on that. But <laughs> um, that was a sign that that, that that's coming, that that's something he's willing to do. And maybe now that he's kind of being the, you know, being the head coach at a power five program realizes it's something he's going to have to do eventually that, that it's very difficult to pull off. So I think that's good. I, it, it's a tough question. And I, th that making bacon answered and I, or asked and one answer I had was, I feel like I, I since this is kind of my thing was recruiting. I feel like Neil does a much better job recruiting. Um, 
Dana did a great job on the transfer market. He did a great job identifying talent that was already out there and convincing him, hey, you want to come over here and put up big stats, we'll get it done. Let, let's do it. And I think Neil has taken a, a, a different approach as far as recruiting high school kids and gone out and targeted kids that West Virginia in other years would have no business getting and got them. And so I think that's something he does better. Um, and I mean, you can't, you, you can't say that there's nothing Dana does better than Neil. Cause I, I do think it's, it's still too early in, in, in Brown's time here because Dana adapted and changed and evolved over his time at West Virginia. And we he lasted see eight years here. <laughs> yeah. We got to see if Neil Brown's going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great question. I wish other people had answers. And I'm sitting here thinking like, what is the thing? Um, Dana, Dana poked his enemies on Twitter much more, much better. <laughs> I think that's fair. Um, I thought, I think he's like a more entertaining uh, interview, but I don't know. Like he, he would also, <laughs> he would also call me dumb and make fun of my questions sometimes, sometimes away from the press conferences too. So maybe it's just different like that. Neil is perhaps above the fray, which is fine. I don't, I kind of appreciate that too. It's not fun getting, you know, ridiculed and, and, and questioned on your questions on things like that. So uh, just two different personalities that do it. Similar. I was, I was gonna say I don't think Neil Brown has has uh, ridden behind me in a golf cart at a recruiting camp making fun of me for ten minutes straight. So yeah. at least yeah. I got that going for me now. It's a good question. I, I welcome more answers on that one. It's a good, it's a good conversation. <laughs> um, where do we want to go now? I uh, I have I, one. Yeah, go ahead. Right below that, VA two dub V Virginia two. Going to go there. West Virginia. Uh, he asks. Why not ask Hugs a direct, open-ended question about the Cal text? Uh, that means in today's Zoom, he said that he had received a text from John Calipari regarding Oscar Shibway. Uh, the question continues. His facial expression cued. He was about to talk, but he was then fed a softball closed question. Wasn't me. Um, one. Two, I, I, don't, I, I don't have the camera on, and I'm usually typing when Huggins is talking, so I can't see his facial expression. Uh I speak Huggins ease and I know when he's not going to talk. And I know like, I know when I ask him a question and he gives me a different answer, people are like, why don't you go back and get the answer you wanted? He's not dumb. He's extremely smart. He's one of the <laughs> smartest people I've covered. He's not going to give me the answer. And I know that. So I'm not going to do it. Uh, today he gave me a really good answer to a question. He said he'd actually been thinking about it earlier. So that was good. But I, I, I feel like I speak his language after all these years, like 14 seasons now, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, he wasn't going to go there. Am I wrong? He was not going to. He won. He's not going to air out the player. He's just not going to do that. And he's not going to air out his friend. Right. Uh, I understand there can be a frustration right now that you don't get the information. So, hey, um, I am I am sympathetic to the question and the curiosity. So I'm not calling out the question as dumb. Uh, or by far, it's a very interesting uh, subplot here um, that he just got a text and they didn't talk. and He didn't ask any questions. Bob Huggins is not telling John Calipari how to run his program, right? And yeah. Calipari knows Sheepway. He was in there at the end. At the you know he he tried to get him at the end last time and didn't. So it's not like he has to do his homework on him. I don't think he's asking for permission. And these guys know the game. They got it. Like if, if it's hey, I'm just going to take your guy. Heads up. That's a courtesy. You don't have to do it. He did that. I think that's a positive too. But I'm I'm I promise you, we could have poked and prodded, and Huggins wasn't going to do it. He has stayed out of this. Your questions, my questions. Uh, I talked to him on the phone. Other people have talked to him on the record, off the record, away from Zoom. He's just not going to go there. He's certainly not going to do it in a recordable format that could be plastered all over the internet. Does, does nobody remember me getting Dikembe Mutombo? Yeah. 
right out of the Zoom call last time where I, yeah. you know, he said that he saw this coming and I asked him if he would like to elaborate on that, left it as as the, the question here implies, as open-ended as possible for him to, to, to just unload. And he just said no. And I was immediately, you know, now he doesn't do the muting, I don't believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that's the SID, but uh, I got immediately muted and that was the end of that conversation. So you're right. It's if he's not going to answer it, he's not going to answer it. And mm-hmm. we could ask that question eight different ways and I, I, it was not going to get an answer. Um, trust me, we, we, we're not afraid to ask questions. We're not afraid to push things or publish things or try to get answers. But that was one that was not going to um, not going to get answered. Also, since when has Bob Huggins held his tongue? <laughs> if he wants to talk, he's going to talk. Like he'll find a way to air it out. So, and and I think he's done that. Like his whatever that thing was where he was with their with um I don't even know who he was talking to, but Caridi, the over, coaches show. Yeah, going over outside influences. He had some time to stew on that and realize, you know what? Uh, that guy from twenty four seven cued me up for question. I didn't do it, and I talked to some other people. and I didn't give a great answer. I'm ready to talk now, and he let more out of the bag. Um, and excuse me, not just outside influences. Flat out saying. There are people trying to make money off of shipping Oscar somewhere else. Yeah. Just flat out. You know, uh, I, the quote uh, escapes me, but he says, you know, benefit from it, possibly for profit, and then continue, you know, to, to get him out of here. And it's like, wow, that, wow, wow. That's, you know, that was kind of the answer I was looking for when I asked the question to him. Cause again, it, it jives with everything we heard right from day one and, and why I asked the question and opened it up for him. Mm-hmm. Um, another question too, that I don't want to go in out of order here and take your, your questions, but someone just saying, why don't you out the people who are trying to get Oscar away? Um, libel. <laughs> I don't <laughs> yes. want to get sued. And we l- listen, it's, it's not fair. It's not right. If I can prove it, I will, man. And like, just nobody will cooperate with, with me on this. And I think it's cause they don't want to do it too. And, or get me in trouble because this, uh, th- there's a, there's an idea out there that hunches or reporting was wrong and that maybe this wasn't sneaker pimps trying to move a kid. It doesn't mean they didn't try, right? At the yeah. very minimum, he's out of West Virginia for whatever reason, and it's outside influence of people trying to make a buck off of him. You can make a buck in a bunch of different ways. It doesn't have to be with sneakers and apparel. Um, get a guy to the pros and get into a program that can get into the pros. Guess what? They make money in the pros. That money goes somewhere sometimes, too. And if you're trying to make a buck off a kid, if he gets in the pros, he has ways to make the buck to give you, right? So I, I, there's a lot that could have gone into this, and it could have gone in different directions, and there were multiple influences. But uh, why don't we name them? Because I don't want to give a buck to somebody else because I had a judgment against me in a circuit court. Right. Yeah, we went over that. Somebody said, oh, you can't do that if it's, you know, prove it. No, no, no. These, these are not public public figures as deemed by the state of West Virginia or any other court, any other state. Um so, you know, you have to be very, very, very careful with what you say about people. And I mean, we, again, there are people that out there that have the evidence that know the facts that can go on record if they want to. And for reasons unbeknownst to me, choose not to. And that's their prerogative. And um, it is what it is right now. My DMs <laughs> are open, by the way. Yeah. As I say, everybody, it, DMs are open. Emails are on the Twitter profile, Facebook. We got all sorts of ways to get in touch. Mm-hmm. Feel free. Go for it. Um, I think that about covers everything I wanted to cover from the Q&A, at least on the podcast here. Again, I'll, I'll answer most everything else on in written form on the site later today. Mike, anything else you wanted to cover? I want to end with our, our guy, Layton. 
Um, Wait, did he pop in with a late question? I'm struggling to keep faith in the basketball team. Can you sell me on why I should hang in there? Uh-huh. I feel for this is like speaking for a lot of people right now. Um, so I get it. I don't want to leave this one. Uh, do you want to go first? And Mr. Positivity, Mike can end. <laughs> I'll put it this way. Let's, if, if you don't think that I'm smart enough to give an opinion on this team or I'm a homer or whatever I'm going to say, let's put it after a barely eking out a win over Oklahoma State and then blowing that game at Texas, The all the writers in the country and all the coaches that vote on these polls both moved West Virginia up this week. There yeah, is wonderful. faith. There is faith outside of Morgantown. Get the doom and gloom off you. I, I think if, if I know it's been a rough week, I know it's not exactly. I mean, I was, I'm thinking I'm the guy that wrote West Virginia would finish the 20, 21 and six or something like that. And people were mad because they thought it should be 24 and three or 25 mm-hmm. and two. Um, that ain't happening, but it is still possible to finish close to 20 games, 20 wins uh, by the time the season's over. There is a top 25 poll. There are 15 good teams every year, right? Mm-hmm. And you're in there. And this is such a strange season. Who knows? Like, I just think you can get in there and make it happen. Um, so, listen, I've, I've spoused my positivity about them. I think there's a higher ceiling with, with this group, at least who's available with this group, right? So mm-hmm. you could listen to last podcast. It's the same thing. Um, are you looking forward to spring football? Because that's what you have. If you bail on basketball, the next thing you have is spring football, which is going to be 15 stale Shrouder practices and university press releases about how things are going and some zooms of players and everybody's good. Uh, the the equivalent to guys are making shots, and I can't do that. Michael, are you are you bailing on a potential top twenty five baseball team? I'm in. Let's do that too. Fine. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's point. But that's that's is that I guess that's right around the corner, isn't it? Huh. That's right around the corner. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Like again, stale, closed practices. For spring football, uh, recruiting currently banned until in-person recruiting banned until mid-April, and I mean I don't feel comfortable with it being lifted at that point. Um, I'm I'm more concerned about them canceling summer camp. So stick with what you got for right now. I like it. Why not? Just yeah. it's going to be entertaining at the very least. Yes, it will. I, I think that's that's my biggest takeaway from these. These three games is that it's I don't want to say it's on the same level as it, it's different than press Virginia and it's not quite the old beeline days of hoisting up 100 threes a game, but it's exciting fans are interested fans are watching and, and this team and we said it last week even before these games even before you know almost beating again almost beating number four Texas that had just beaten Kansas by 40. This team has a high ceiling, a really high ceiling. If they make shots, this team can beat anyone in the country. For that alone, to see if they can get there, can they? Can they? They're going to climb the ladder. Can they get all the way to the top and put that? Uh, put that angel on top of the tree. We'll see. All right. Don't the copyright infringing uh, football mottos there, Mike? All right. My bad. <laughs> Anything else? No, nah, that's it. Let's wrap it up. Well, uh, check out all of our Baylor preview cup. Oh, dang. Uh, <laughs> check out the rest of this mailbag. That'll be up later today, and then we'll find a way to get to Saturday's possible game. And I guess I should say this. We'll, we'll get a way to get to Friday's Zoom with Huggins and then the testing in the afternoon to see how that goes. We'll, we'll fill in the blanks. We'll probably have some football news in there, too. Uh, a lot going on, not just players um, trying to get chances on that. But uh, 
a lot of people are asking questions and it's not just reporters too. So it's going plates are spinning and we'll get them all on the table sooner or later. Yeah. As I say, I'll have some more recruiting updates, new offers going out again this week. Um, players return to campus. Uh, always keep an eye on who's coming back. Who's just not on campus. And you know, that transfer portal remains busy. Not, not, in, not too crazy busy for West Virginia, uh, which I would say is good news, but um, around the country, it is it is red hot still should be fun well until then i am mike casaza and i'm chris anderson we will talk to you next time